0: Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. Alright, sweet. I think we are good to go here. Um, Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Electronic Dance Money. I'm super excited for this one. I've been searching for a guest for a little while, and uh, my buddy Noah hooked me up with Alex Larichev. You are an EDM ghost producer. You actually run your own business doing ghost production, which is... You know, I I remember when I first learned about ghost producing back in like 2013, and 2014. And it was, I think as new producers, it's something you're so offended by because you feel like it's anyone who gets a ghost producer is not wanting to put in the work where and there might be some truth to that, but I don't think a lot of producers understand um, what it's like to be a full touring artist on the road 24-7 doing gigs 200 days out of the year sometimes 300 days out of the year and you just don't have the time to be in the studio um, or you might need help finishing up a track There, there's a whole multitude of different reasons for why someone might need a ghost producer um, and it was until I learned more about the industry and kind of how it's ran and the politics involved. That uh, sometimes a ghost producer is just the way you need to go for a specific reason. And just because someone gets a ghost producer does not necessarily mean that they use a ghost producer every single time. But first, I want I'd like to I'd like to know a little bit more about your story. Um, well, more specifically for the guest because I know we spoke on the phone and. I think your background with electronic music is super unique, uh, especially how you got into ghost, produ- ghost production. So go ahead and, um, I mean, take the floor. Let's, let's hear a little bit about your story, how you got involved with electronic music and how you started EDM Ghost Production.
1: Um, so it was, it was 12 years ago. I started making music by myself uh, just for fun. And then I realized that I can release this music. I can play this music out on gigs. Um, but, um, back then there was no money involved. So it was just super hardcore intention to be out there, to, to get your music heard, uh, by someone else. And, um, I ended up recording an psychedelic trance album, playing a few gigs, um, here locally and a few gigs outside in Europe. Um, after psychedelic trance, I realized that this is not, um, the type of surroundings in terms of people who are going on this party that I want to stick with because it was always nighttime uh, drugs um, alcohol mostly drugs and I just didn't I just didn't feel comfortable because I'm the guy who is behind the computer behind the scenes and then boom they get you out there and 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 you have to you know you have to be on the same vibe as them and sometimes you go for drugs and stay stay late at night. So I decided to switch my music to progressive trance. That's actually where I met Noah with uh, uh, releasing music on Enhanced Records, Armada, Fleshover, with very course, and I was super excited because I thought it's something uh, more commercial and less drug addictive and so on. The people are more nicer in that niche. And that was quite challenging because in psychedelic trance, the, um, the community is not so huge as in commercial genres. So back then when I started making progressive trance, it was super commercial with guys like Armin, Tiesto playing trance. And I made up a few releases on those labels, uh, but I never got any gigs, any interviews, I guess. It was just making tracks, releasing them and how I call it. It's exactly the same thing. If you're going to save your track onto your computer desktop and just leave it there for for years. Was literally no fans, just a few producers out there. We were like, "Hey, congratulations, we released there," and that's it. So no, no progress at all, almost. I went to a normal five days in a week job, full time, working as a sales manager, selling SIM for phone, SIM phones, cell cell phones, SIM cards, something like AT and T, Verizon in the U.S. I was working there for full years. I was super passionate about about this job because. Um, it was quite challenging you You have to sell something that people might not need, but you have to sell it. so I think this this gave me an ability to get some marketing and sales skills uh, and also negotiation skills. My mother was she she had a cancer, so I had to quit this job to stay with her for for four months and then after she passed away, um there was a challenge for me. Like, do I have to go back to a normal job, uh, doing the same thing over again and again? Or make something by myself? So since on the regular job, uh, you work five days, you're super tired. at the evenings, you just want to drink a beer and get a nap or play Sony PlayStation. (laughs) There is not so much energy and passion left for, for the music. Even if I want to make it, I just got like two, three hours and then I have to sleep because in the morning people wait me and my boss is waiting me uh, to, to get to get me my money you know for for paying the studio um, rentals and equipment and uh, and my bills, basically. Uh, yeah, so I decided that I should just try with music. so I have a friend who is uh, a website developer. He made a simple landing page. We just put my releases and um, made a description like, hey, if you'd like to hire me as mixing mastering engineer, course producer, uh, sound designer, the guy who is going to make you jingles, DJ set intros, melodies, midis. I just tried to cover the most aspects and the services which musician um, can work on. Uh, we put $100. A little, little part of my savings from my job into an advertisement on Google AdWords, and only one month after, I got my first uh, my first order. And I think the success for for this not was just my website and the music, but also the website title called EDM-Ghost-Production.com. I don't know why. Uh, Sometimes I'm even asking myself, why didn't I call this website alexlaryshift.com, but I call it EDM Ghost Production. I don't know. I, I, back then, I wasn't following any hype or trend, or I didn't even know if there is a stigma around Ghost Production term. Uh, so it, it just went naturally. And yeah, after getting my first order, I think I got 400 euro for Ghost Production track. For a guy, for a guy from Italy, I was super happy running on the kitchen, saying to my girlfriend, "Like, hey, now we can, now we can live with this money for one month because in Russia, like 400 euros, it's uh, enough to pay your rent, your food, and even some entertainment. You know, so it, it's okay." It's a game kind changer. Of. It's a game changer. Yeah, that was that was the fact. And then I think we invested a little bit more money from that order back into the advertisement. So there was about 150. Then I got another order, another order, and we still got those orders, you know, on a daily basis from from there. So five years after this small uh, landing page turned into the whole portal for producers around the globe, selling their tracks, not just me, but about... 500 producers wow
0: wow i did see i i knew that other producers were you know selling their tracks on your site i didn't realize there was over 500 that's awesome you can i mean just saying that you know how successful it is and how i mean ghost production works it's gonna be it's always gonna be around in the industry and it's you know it's similar like you look at any pop star and you go I mean, they technically have ghost producers. Their name is on the track, but they didn't fucking sit there. They had five writers and producers writing the track, and then a mixing engineer, and then a mastering engineer. And they might even have writers that were writing the vocals for the pop star, and even the melodies that the pop star is going to sing. This is something that's always going to be around in the industry, even with rock music. When bands go in and write songs, they aren't necessarily writing every piece of it they might have writers that come in or other people from other bands come in to help them write a song so and it it might even be that they just have a co-writer with them and not necessarily a ghost producer do you guys do that as well do you guys do co-writings where maybe someone has an idea for a track and they're halfway finished but they need someone else to come in and kind of finish the other half and polish it all up Do you guys do that as well
1: yeah, true, but the thing that comes as a trouble here in the whole ghost production industry that basically we are same guys that are making co-productions uh, for pop stars but the difference between us the main difference is that we are not getting credits. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah, so and that's why there is a lot of like bullying and sort of threats on Reddit and everywhere bullying ghost producers. Even my advertisement on Facebook I got like hundreds of comments saying like fuck you guys going to die you're selling your talent you guys useless and so on people who buy there they don't have their hands or yeah there's so much yeah, shit going on there, I
0: mean like I was saying at the beginning there's a crazy stigma behind ghost produ- ghost production and I really do think it comes from the more younger producer where they they haven't been around in the industry yet. They don't know what it's all about. And then they also don't realize that these are other producers that are just trying to live and do what they want. They want to write music for a living. And like this podcast, what it's all about is teaching producers how they can do that, how they can go from just making beats in their parents bedroom or in their bedroom at their parents' house to living in their own place doing music full time, whether that has to do with you doing mixing, mastering, or ghost production. And ghost production is a really good way to make that living. Because, I mean, how much are you guys selling tracks for? Uh, Well, so uh,
1: we have like two divisions on our website. The first division is a custom-made order. When someone has an idea, he brings it in, and we're developing it, constantly going back and forth with feedback and so on. And the price there is one thousand US dollars for a track, and for a remix we charge nine hundred dollars. And for co-creation, when someone sends us their stamps or MIDI or a cappella, then we think that it's kind of a co-creation, so we charge for it eight hundred fifty dollars. Uh, and another yeah, and another division is where we allow everyone from around the world. Nigeria, Brazil, India, Russia whatever can they guys ghost producers they can place their tracks and start selling it from as low as 199 to 799. So the average price right now it's uh, 2020 we're still alive coronavirus uh (laughs) it's 300 (laughs) for anyone listening out there we're still alive we're still charging 349 us dollars on average for ghost produced track yeah so that's it
0: (laughs) oh man i like that little tag in there um uh so and how long does that usually take for i mean i guess if if a producer just is selling their track on your website how it takes however long for them to make a track but let's say you're making a custom-made track i'm coming to you i'm gonna pay a thousand dollars we're gonna go back and forth to get the track that i want on average how long does it usually take to make that sort of track
1: yeah so on a custom-made basis from uh, the day receiving the idea it takes us about three days to come up with a short demo Then, if the buyer is satisfied then we're asking him to pay the money up front in order to continue if he's not satisfied we can make one more demo to see if we're on like, the same vibe, if not we just um, we just part our ways uh, and if he, if he pays for it then the challenge comes in. So usually, uh, like we prefer to finish tracks in two, three revisions, which might take one more week, but some customers, they go really crazy into revisions. And, uh, you know, our slogan is we work until you're a hundred percent satisfied. So we don't have any revisions, uh, limitations in our contract. Uh, and the, the, Guinness record was 14 revisions in our company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it, it took two months. Two months. Yeah, yeah. There's, but on average, it's like four revisions. Four, three, four. It's okay.
0: That is, that's about mine as well. I I do the same thing. I usually give about. I'm actually starting a new revision revision process. But in the past, what I've done for mixing and mastering was. I gave three revisions and by the third revision, they're usually super happy. They're like, they're like, okay, cool. It's great. But by, you know, the first revision, they're like, oh fuck, this was probably a bad idea. Cause they give me a laundry list yeah. and I'm like, no, this is usually how it goes. The first revision <laughs> list is ridiculously big. And then we go and clean everything up. And then after that, they're like, okay, now I hear it. I'm getting pretty happy. And by the third one, they're like, perfect. But, um, I'm actually I'm starting a new revision process where once I send you the track, I'm giving you 30 days for unlimited revisions. But after the track is sent after 30 days, then I start charging because um, that gives a little bit more room. But also they don't come back in two months and they're like, oh, I'd like to get more revisions you know. And by that time, I'm like, listen, it's been two months, so. Have you ever worked in the Walmart? I think you
1: stole this idea from them. No, <laughs> no
0: I haven't.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. Probably you're, you're their customer because that's what they advertise on their, yeah, uh, like, wall. Yeah,
0: 30-day guarantee, satisfaction <laughs> guarantee. <laughs> um, yeah, so what, I guess... Um, you asked another question about the
1: guys who are just sending their tracks. Yeah, the timing there is different. You know, when, I, when we were starting up, it was just a custom-made service, same as you do. But my partner, Dmitry, uh, from Ukraine, he said, like, hey, dude, let's just make a shop where everybody can just send their tracks. And uh, I was in uh, huge, controversy things in, with him because I said, dude, if the tracks are online, they're not exclusive anymore. Nobody's going to be interested in them. Because uh, DJs, they want exclusive stuff. And uh, I think it took us three months to, it took him three months to convince me to make this shop. So we made it and there was almost like one to five sales a month, which is nothing. But I think it just blew up in 2018 uh, when we first got interviewed by uh, Mix Magazine from Great Britain and then followed up by conferences like AD, Dancefair, IMS, DJ Mac as well. And then we started to blow up and the amount of custom orders, it just went down in compared to how much tracks we were selling. And I was kind of shocked. And uh, I made an analysis like, why do people uh, prefer buying something that's already there? And the answer is simple. Nobody wants to spend their time because time is money. So for some people, for certain people, I'm not saying about everyone, but for most of the people, it's just easier to scroll on their mobile phone while they're brushing their teeth and like, boom, this is something that relates to me. I'm going to buy it. And the average time for a producer, I cannot give a precise answer because right now I'm reviewing the library of our tracks and I still see some submissions from 2018, which means that the tracks are on sale for two years. and. Other tracks, they're getting sold within 48 hours from the uh, publication. And some tracks are getting sold in three months. Some tracks are getting sold in six months. It depends how much producer is charging for
0: it. So you never know.
1: That's the answer.
0: Yeah, you really don't. And it comes down to the workflow of some of these producers. And I think if you want to be, if you're a listener right now and you're curious about being a ghost producer, and I think you should be because if you can produce a really well-made track, you have potential to do ghost production and make five, six, seven hundred dollars off of one single track. If you can write five of those tracks in a month and sell five of those, that's a great fucking living just off of selling music. Um, and I mean, that's just you working in the studio pretty much full time. But it comes down to your workflow. You need to be able to pump out that many tracks so. And if they're that good, you can sell a consistent amount and make a good living. But again, it comes down to your workflow and how you're managing your time. Because if you're not managing your time well, and you aren't setting yourself up for success when you're getting in the studio and writing a track and you get sidetracked easily, you're not going to finish tracks. You're not finishing tracks. You're not going to be able to make enough to sell enough to make your living and live in the real world and just go full time with music. Uh, And things get a lot, if you can go full time with writing music, everything else gets a lot easier because you have now freed up eight hours of your entire day where you can dedicate to your music career if that's what you're wanting to do. If you're wanting to also be, you know, a DJ and a touring artist, you now have an extra eight hours to dedicate to how am I going to build a fan base? How am I going to get better at promotion? How am I going to get booked at gigs? And it comes down to just freeing up that time. Like you were saying, time is money. And if you don't have that time freed up, then you can't look out into the world and find those extra things that are going to push you further on in your career. If I was a producer that wants to sell on EDMGhostProduction.com, what do you guys have requirements for, like, the quality of tracks? Do you guys review everything before it gets posted on the website? How does, how does that process look?
1: Yeah, um, so if you come to EDMGhostProduction.com ghost, and go to the shop section, there is a link for producers, submit your track. When you go into that section, there is a huge list of requirements. But don't be scared; it's just made uh, in order for our buyers to be secure about what they are purchasing and from whom. So we don't really want to see kids just making their bids using illegal software plugins or uh, not clear samples. Yeah, that's that's why we have a huge rules list. For example. Uh, you don't have to, you you are not allowed to use unauthorized samples, then the length of the track should be at least 2 minutes 30 seconds. Some some people just want to sell their demos, but it's not how it works. Also, we ask to render stamps properly to avoid empty stamps, uh, to avoid peaking, to avoid weird file naming, because file naming is important. buyer wants to buy not just a track, but also a beautifully looking package. Um, yeah. And we also have a video saying how you should render stamps, how to, you should prepare the package. So everything is out there to, for producers to learn.
0: When someone's selling a track and cause I mean they actually let's get into this. So when a track is being packaged for selling, whether it's a custom made track or it's a producer selling it on your shop, do they are they selling? They're selling all the stems, all of the samples included, the sounds, um, the plugin. Like, well, obviously, they wouldn't be selling the plugins, but are you giving the producer all the plugins that are used? And I mean, let's say I produce, I produce in Cubase. If the producer that I'm buying a track from produces, produces in Ableton am i going to be able to pull that into cubase or do i need able you know what what how is that how is is that all kind of packaged and how does that look like Mm -hmm. okay so the basic package
1: contains uh, multiply folders the stem folder which is multi-track wave files uh, unmastered no plugins unmastered but all the stems are processed so they're wet Uh, another folder is the folder with media files that contains MIDI information from important scenes, let's say ar- arpeggio, bass, and lead. We don't need MIDI for your drum rack, let's say. So after MIDI, it comes master folders and unmaster folders. If the track has a vocal, we're required to send instrumental version as well, and the radio version as well, and extended version as well, and both in three versions, like three unmasters and three masters. That's the default package which our buyer gets. And in compared to other websites, we do provide an option for producer to sell the project file. If you're working in Cubase, you can upload it and get extra $50 from sale net um, if the buyer decides to buy your track with a Cubase project. If he just decides to buy it with the regular regular package, he's not going to get the Cubase project file and you're not going to get paid for it extra. So that's how it works gotcha
0: okay yeah so if you're selling the whole project file you're just putting slapping an extra fee on that that actually makes sense though because you're kind of getting a more detailed look at how everything is processed and looking and running
1: yeah but you know we had so much complaints from producers like hey i don't want to sell it for so low i need at least twice money for that and uh yeah we had a long story topic uh, and it, it all ended up that every producer thinks that He's making something like a jam, very unique. He's using super techniques. But guys, welcome to 2020 and YouTube all over there. And you can just check everything what's out there. Your favorite producer is making free masterclasses. There are conferences where you can see all of that. So there is nothing really that should cost so much. So we try to convince producers that uh, if the buyer buys your track with project file, uh, it doesn't mean that he's not going to get back to you because uh, it's just tricks for one track, you know? And your skill, uh, you have so much knowledge in your head and for each case, for each sound, for each scale, you use different types of plugins, different chains, uh, different chains, plugin chains. So it's not just possible to get your whole knowledge into one dollars project file.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, this is also a good case of like to to think about so many producers want to make something so complex and unique because they think that's how you're going to be the best when you have a million automated files and you've got 10 leads stacked on each other and you're it's so complex so it must be so good but that is so far from the case so it, this is a good um good reason for you to keep things simple. Simplicity works. People like simple. They it, simple works in music more than complexity. So if you can keep things simple, you'll actually train your mind to get away from the fact that, Oh, I need to be paid more because I made this so complex. So as soon as you start making things more simple, you'll go, Oh, you know what? This is actually a reasonable pr- I made this track in 10 hours in the studio. So I'll sell this for 300 bucks. I mean, then you're making $30 an hour just on working in the studio. That's probably more money that, than most people are making right now, working their kitchen job somewhere, you know? So if you can get in this mindset of just keeping things simple, write the track as fast as possible, and if it's good enough and it takes you 10 hours to write the track and you can sell for 300 bucks, you're not making that bad of money. Especially if you have five of those tracks lined up and you loved doing it, then it really feels like, oh my God, I can't believe I can make this. And that $300 is probably way more than you'll make putting the track on Spotify. And with a, with a record label that's going to take 60, 70, 80% of the writing credits.
1: Lots of people start booing here. Like, boo. Yeah, yeah.
0: Tons of boo. boo you suck.
1: <laughs> Can you explain why? why? Why do you think so? Can you explain a bit more about it?
0: Um, why? Why people don't like ghost production? No, no.
1: Why people would not get $300 from a release on Spotify?
0: Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, Spotify already pays artists Point zero 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 seven to the dollar so i mean you're not even making a full penny off of 10 streams i mean you you make very 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 little money so and and a lot of these record labels what they're gonna do is they're gonna come to you with let's say you sign with ultra let's just go top of the top you're signing with ultra or spinning they're gonna come with you with a record contract and they're gonna go all right, we're gonna take 90% royalties here, you're gonna get 10%. Oh, you have a vocalist? Well, that vocalist also wants 50% of that, so you're gonna actually get 5% royalties. Oh, and we also hired a mastering engineer and they want 3%. So you're gonna get 2% royalty off of this. And
1: and we made a video clip for
0: this. Yeah, we also made a video and we're gonna charge you for that, so we're gonna hold up to $10,000 $10, of your of your earnings. I, a lot of people are sitting here going, that's not how that, that's how that works. This is how these record labels do these things. I heard of a I can't give a name, but I know of a big producer who signed to Ultra who got fucked. I mean, they just took him for everything he had. For like I think he I think he had a deal for like six months or a year where he had, he had to release a certain amount of tracks through Ultra and he made next to nothing. Oh, and this is why DJs charge so much to play at shows because that's where they make their money. Uh, this is also another reason why you're seeing so many producers do other things on the side where they're doing masterclass stuff. They're selling their sound packs. They're they're doing ghost production. Uh, Top tier producers do ghost production because they can write quality tracks they're going to get signed to these labels like Spin in, like Ultra, and they're going to make good money off of it. That's where a lot of producers are going to make their money. They're going to make the $5,000 to sell that track to a huge producer that's going to make it on Spin in, that's going to be in the top 10 on Beatport for months. They're going to make a shit ton of money off of just the initial purchase, and then all the record labels are gonna make the rest of the money, and that's that's just how the industry is right now. And when you start looking at those fractions, those five million streams on that one track start to look really fucking small. And I think it's something like one million streams will make you four thousand U.S. dollars, and if you're getting two percent of that,
1: I actually have another numbers. I've got two thousand, uh, two thousand nine hundred U.S. dollars for one million streams, then goes to your like label and then label splits it up with you and based on the percentage and then deductions go 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 and you know to make one one million streams it's not easier than (laughs) uh yeah I mean it's super it's super complicated unless you you got your like huge fan base but if you're just a guy somewhere in uh, Wyoming sitting out there making music for fun probably it's going to take you Lot of time, connections, and money to invest in that one million stream.
0: Time, and it does come down to time. It's 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 putting that ten thousand hours in that people always talk about. You know, if you want to be a master of your craft, you have to put ten thousand hours in. And it's the same case with a musician. If you want to be a full touring artist, this is what I tell so many producers who are fairly new and young in the game. I tell them ten years. It's going to take a minimum of ten years of you working at this for you to be even relatively where you want to be. But let's say we were
1: not trying to convince producers to quit their dream being new Martin Garrix, okay?
0: Yeah, it's it's 10 years. That's what you've got. That's what you have to look forward to. Um, And you have to decide if you want to accept that now and be like, I'm okay with that. This is worth it to me. I want to make music for a living. You got to be in it for a minimum of 10 years. I think I've been... I don't even I don't produce that I'm actually starting to produce a little bit more again Um, but I mean I've been at this for eight years and seven years I haven't even hit my 10-year mark I mean I'm so I'm still so fucking early our buddy Noah he's been doing this for 20 years and he's I mean it's like he's been in this fucking game for a long time and he's got great connections I mean he can sign to some of the biggest labels and it that didn't just come in two years, three years. Sometimes that does happen. Uh, sometimes you get a Martin Garrix who, at 17, they can get gold on one of the biggest tracks ever released, and every single DJ is playing it at every festival.
1: But it's such a low percentage amount of people. I do have some friends who like made a, a couple of tracks and they played it Tomorrowland two years after starting their career, but that's a very low percentage.
0: It, it can happen and this is you know I talk about this on the happen, podcast yeah, it, yeah I, I talk about this on the podcast you might be sitting here listening to the podcast right now and that might be you it, it's possible that that's you it's just the the odds of that being you are so against you and so slim and that's again something you just need to accept um and if the not, faster
1: you- although not don't try to convince people because it might it might actually be true so Why don't, why you kill this, um, like, hope (laughs) straight away? I, see, I, um... You want to be realistic, okay, but maybe somebody decides to listen to this podcast and say, like, hey, fuck fuck those guys, I'm going to be the Martin Garrix, and maybe some kind of luck just drops from
0: the sky on him and he gets big, so why not? There well, and this is this is actually why I talk about this is why the podcast is here though. So if it's for producers who are wanting to be a full-time artist, but in order to get there, like we've talked about, you need to do other things to fund oh, yeah. your fund your career. So and that's and that's True. about starting a business. So if you wanting to be of if you want to be the next Martin Garrix, you might need to ghost produce to get there, to make your money so that you can Quit your day job and you can be full time with music and then you can work on this whole getting connections, getting to bigger record labels, getting to a bigger audience and booking bigger shows. Makes sense. Now, I'm not saying quit your job to go full time with just being a producer and trying to be the next market. That's not what you should do. You should find a resource within production or the music industry where you can do what you love, but make the money you need to make to fucking live. And if you can start a small business that's going to help your local economy or you can make how many people do you you have people? I mean, I guess no, I could say you, you have 500 employees under you technically because you've got people who are selling tracks on your website and they're making a living off off of your website and the work that you've done now, you're not technically paying their wages. But yeah. you're giving them that opportunity where they're in front of an audience and they can sell their tracks and make a living. So you don't technically have 500 employees. Yeah, the independent
1: but, contractor agreements. That's what Exactly.
0: Yeah. So you, you, the listener, you might be able to do that. And if you're able to give that opportunity to people, that can change a lot of lives. And that can help fuel a lot of things in people's local economies, which is... I think, you know, I a couple episodes ago, I had this production company on from Minnesota here in the U.S. and they saw an opening in their market where there weren't, they are were from this college town and there weren't a lot of shows going on. And so they saw an opening and said, let's start throwing shows. They started playing shows for like A $100 for a full night they would just be at people's houses throwing house parties and then they started to move to a legit venue and then they just had their first festival last year Um, and they've got people under them that most of it is kind of volunteer work and they make very little money but this train is rolling now and they're they've got like six shows a month where they're paying DJs and they're actually like building a business in their local economy that's driving entertainment and getting people to go out, buy drinks at bars, support local artists. So you have the opportunity to do this kind of thing that can do a lot of good for a lot of people. And you never know the amount of lives you'll touch. Um, And we're kind of getting off kind of sidetracked here, but this all does kind of, it's all relevant to what we're talking about here. And once you kind of understand the thought process of why someone would Per ghost produced tracks a lot of it comes down to just them wanting to make a living off of music and ghost production is i don't know if easiest should be easy should be the word to use but it's you can make money you can the make a living. less and of i would yeah say. <laughs> it is it is very pleasant i've got a i've got a buddy i mean who came to me just a few months ago who was like hey i've got a guy that hit me up who wants me to ghost produce a track. I've never done this sort of thing. Can we kind of like, I don't know how I should go over pricing out how to produce a track. I'm curious what you would say to him for, he makes really good tracks who, and they've charted in Beatport the tracks that he's made. So how would you, how would you determine pricing out a track for a, a good track? A good producer who makes a unique track that's a unique sound, um, not too complicated, like we were saying earlier. It's very simple, but it's still unique in the way that it's produced. And it can chart, it has the opportunity to chart on Beatport. How would you price out a track like that?
1: Yeah, first of all, I love this description. That's what everybody is saying about their new track when they're trying to send it to us. Like, this is, this is the best track ever, it's super exclusive sound design. It's going to be charted, the buyer is going to get, like, Martin, next Martin Garrick's. oops, sorry. Uh, and that's what everybody thinks about his music. But I just like to come down to earth and try to review who you are. So just look up at the labels you release, look at the similar artists and try to ask their pricing. So you just kind of need to get, um, because you know, not everybody is, um, I mean, no one puts their prices online. So you have to go on parties or um, like forums or somewhere, try to contact them in DM, just ask like, how much do you guys charge? And based on the artist profile, because right now we're talking about the artist trying to pitch his ghost production service, right? It's not just a producer without no name. Because no name producer, most likely he's going to charge the lowest price because he doesn't have any like, marketing and brand behind him. It's the guy who is just going to be selling on websites like us or Audio Jungle, anywhere where you don't have to worry about the marketing. So this is probably like two, $300 for a track. But if you're a guy with a profile, then it depends on the environment. Uh, you just need to do the market research, but I would say um, also depends on the type of genre we're talking about. If this is a tech house, uh, if this is a tech house which is on hype now, so there and it's one of the most easiest and less time-consuming genres to make. The guy who is releasing on Toolroom Records, um, on Sola, um, CR2, those types of labels, he would probably charge. Uh, I mean, not the guy like uh, label owner or um, a tier list, just the guy who has the releases and plays in local clubs on the house parties. The price would be from seven hundred to one thousand dollars, which is like twice more than the no-name guy. But if you are a yeah. if you are in um, um, almost headliners of those labels, then you can charge two thousand US dollars. Why I don't mention like skyrocket prices, five thousand, ten thousand, because uh, I cannot explain such price. You know, you you have to. Mm, I think it's more about marketing. You can charge whatever you want. It depends how frequent you're going to be paid and actually paid, and not just like uh, present your price to people.
0: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the marketing aspect has a lot to do with that as well you know you you can't charge two thousand dollars for a track if you're no name producer no writing credits behind you no signed releases that's just so anyone would look at that and laugh in your face a no-name producer would look at that and laugh in your fucking face even if it's the best produced track in the entire world they're gonna look at you and go no there's i mean there's no reason why i would buy this track from you how many how often is it that you see record labels actually uh getting a ghost producer for do you do you guys have record labels coming to you and saying hey we need this track produced for a producer that wants to sign a track through our record label"? no No? it's just producers
1: (laughs) it's just producers just djs uh Sometimes when the DJ producer, he hosts, he runs that label, then he can ask for the tracks. But that's such a rare thing. I think we only got like two or three clients.
0: Mm-hmm. Who run and the label. should uh, So if, if someone wants to start ghost producing, do you think that they should stick to one genre, just produce one genre? Or should they be working and trying to sell multiple genres um, at the same time?
1: It's a tough question, man, because uh, music has no limits and has no rules. So I personally made a way where I started making side trends and progressive trends and progressive house, and now I'm making all kinds of four-on-the-floor kick drum genres, but I'm not making drum and bass dubstep. On our website, dubstep, I think it's number four selling genre. Uh, So, you know, if I would be... I'm a ghost producer, I'm a money maker, so if I want to make money, I should go to that genre. But I'm not going into dubstep because I just don't feel myself myself comfortable with those drilling sounds for eight hours. So I prefer making um, sounds less aggressive. It's, It's all about what you have a passion for. If you are just a guy who is looking for the money, my advice is to go to a beatport top charts, Spotify top charts, Take the track which, like has from one to ten top positions. Take it as a reference. Try to make it like a copy of this track. Change a few melodies. Change rhythm slightly, and then upload it to platform or pitch it to one of your clients if you do have them. And that's the best way to make money. But if you decide to go another way, um, going into sometimes complex sometimes not complex sound design just doing what you're passionate about and what you're feeling is is right to do at that exact moment just go for it maybe this track is not going to sell right away or this month or this year but you know music goes all the time goes like in a circle so uh hip-hop was popular in 90s now it's number one genre and uh house and was popular in 90s as well now it's number one i think the future bass time will also go back somewhere in like five ten years and so on yes yeah, so music is timeless depends uh, on, uh, um on de- demand yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. it's a, it is a cycle it is a cycle and i think that is kind of important to recognize kind of what you want it what you want to do ultimately that's what this is kind of all about what do you want to what the fuck do you want to do uh it's important to make the decision though I mean you don't want to sit around asking that question for a while you know if you're four or five years in going well what do I want to do then it's really time to sit down and think about what the hell like figure some shit out because you can't wait around and uh, just hope for the best. But yeah. we just
1: give you two directions. There are actually more of them. You know, my, my friend, he's uh, making music for himself. And then once he got like 10 tracks, he thinks what should he pitch for the label re- release and what he should take for him as an artist. And then what's left is just uploading on our platform. That's the third direction. And there are even more. I I just don't probably know them. So you have to guys do whatever your heart says to do yeah
0: yeah whatever kind of what feels right in the moment man it's it's all about figuring this stuff out and we're we're talking about something specific to a lot of the things we're talking about are very specific and there's no one way to do anything uh you know if you want to go onto edmghostproduction.com and sell your track through there you can do that you could start your own website you, I mean, the thing is, is when you do,
1: please don't. Oh. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Alex is like, please don't. Oh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, but I mean, the thing is, is you got to decide what's worth it if you want to. The thi- getting on Alex's website is probably he's already taken the time and taken on the risk to get the audience that he has, and so it's gonna be a lot easier to go on his website. If you start your own, it's going to be a lot more difficult. It's going to take a lot more time to try to build that audience that he's built. Um, he's already established. So it's it might be easier to do what you were talking about before, taking kind of the scraps of the tracks that are decent, that you don't want to pitch for your artist street, for, you know, for your artist name. Uh, and it might be easier to just throw those on a website and hopefully in two months those will sell and you'll be good to go. But there is no one way to do anything, especially when it comes to music. Music is a very rare thing where there's just no rules. I mean, you can do whatever the hell you want to do within music. But, um, man, I think that covers just about anything. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, man, I can talk about ghost production
1: for hours. I just need some directions. But, uh, yeah, most of the time... Uh, I say that about our website, that it's like a sanctuary and you don't have to stick with it so much because some people, they just say like, hey, I'm going to quit my job I'm, because I have already 20 tracks on the website. I know they're going to sell soon. Uh, but I'm just saying that, guys, there is so much to do. Like you said, try to focus on your own brand. Try to focus on your own connections and make your own path. But this website is just there for you if you need extra I would say fast cash uh, and it's like a sanctuary where you can always come and we will always welcome you. But my advice is to try to uh, become like self-established artist, producer or DJ whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's about being unique to kind of like what is your unique selling point? That's the, I think the number one question you should be asking yourself as an artist. Cause that's kind of branding right there. What is, how are you unique? to the person to your left who's doing the same exact things as you. He's running the same motions. How are you unique and different to that person? Why should someone choose you over them? Once you can answer that question, I mean it shit get, shit picks up really quickly at that point. But it takes a while to figure that out.
1: Yeah. And don't push, push yourself too hard because some, you know, after listening to that podcast, I might think that Hey, I should put myself a bit more, and that might be quite challenging. So, if you are really the guy who just wants to make uh, a comfortable living with, um, like, easy taking an easy path, just try looking for websites that already has their audiences, like mine. Maybe Audio Jungle, maybe some other websites where you can provide your services. Go to work to a local studio for for someone else. Work with someone else. And it's not like we're not trying to convince you to uh, be a businessman, but try to think about it.
0: Yeah, it's well, you're 100% right about that. You might not be sued out for the business world. And that's sometimes why you have someone like a manager to kind of handle that side of things. Um, If, if you're too busy to take those tasks on, there's someone there to take it on for you. Uh, However, As a full time artist, you kind of are a business Um, at that point. Usually your name is set up as an LLC uh, and there's reasons behind that for, you know, liability issues and uh, tax filings and whatnot, especially when you're making the big bucks. Uh, It's all in your name. It's your business is your name and you are the business. So, it's important to kind of, it's important to think about these things and to consider them, especially if you do want to be quote unquote, the next Martin Garrix. Um, and have they, a backup
1: plan if something goes wrong, like coronavirus, because <laughs> getting, yeah. no, I'm not kidding, man. You know, right yeah. now, I'm, I, because I was supposed to go to Tomorrowland, Winter, uh, and it got canceled. I was supposed to go to Miami Music Week for the conference. It got canceled. And right now, we we are at the place where we don't know how it's going to affect the music industry. So it's better to have a backup plan in a regular job as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. I uh, Have you... We have... I'm in Austin, Texas. We have South by Southwest. Have you heard of South yeah, by? Yeah, it was
1: also canceled.
0: Yeah, canceled. And I mean, there's... I was at a, I went and saw Ben Bomer on Friday. He was here and I was in the bathroom and some guy was like, "Yeah, I lost like $5,000 just this week in Airbnbs." He's like, "I fucking lost a ton of money and a bunch of production companies here are about to go under as well because they they're any hospitality place, restaurant, bars, anything like that downtown, they're fucking hurting right now because a lot of the local economy here is supported by South by Southwest because it's two weeks of hundreds of thousands of people coming through the city and spending money at hotels, businesses, bars, restaurants, and all the extra food that restaurants have bought. They have to figure out what the hell to do with it because now they're at a major loss uh, and it's, it's bad. It's really bad and it's you can still
1: play, of, you can still play your Ableton push controller in Subway, you know? <laughs> the, yeah. People are going to pay for for those streams. Anyway. Yeah,
0: man, Alex, I appreciate you taking the time, man. This was really awesome. My I pleasure, think we, My pleasure. I think we gave a really good insight into ghost production. Hopefully we, you know, we're not in the business of convincing people, but I want to take the stigma away from ghost production because I used to really frown upon it, but, um, Knowing a little bit more about the industry and how things work, usually you're going to make more money off of that ghost production track that you sold than you would ever have made on streaming from it. So uh, just think about that. Take that into consideration and realize what that means and push yourself to go full time with something that's going to make your money. And uh, then you can focus on, you know, the artistry and making your name big. But. Alex, I appreciate it. If anyone, you want to plug anything, go ahead and plug your website, uh, where people can find you and uh, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, just go to edm-ghost-production.com. Yeah, and see what it's
0: all about. Maybe you're going to like it, maybe not. Let me know. (laughs) 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 Awesome, Alex. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you later, dude. Thank you. Bye. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I definitely learned a lot. And, you know, if, if ghost production is something you're interested in, go to edm-ghost-production.com to check out Alex's site, and maybe you can get your tracks up there and start selling them, making a little bit of money on the side. I know with this whole coronavirus scare right now, that might be a good outlet for you guys. You know, you might be able to start producing tracks if you're out of a job and working hard at that. And starting them uploaded the site and hopefully you can start selling stuff and making a little bit extra money as always head to enviousaudio.com episode 23 to check out all of the show notes all of all the links on there and head to facebook.com look up the electronic dance money community to join that and talk some business in a group with other like-minded people like i said at the beginning of the episode you can go to apple Podcasts to leave a good review for other producers to get entered into the mixing and mastering lesson giveaway that I will be giving to one of you guys. Thanks so much. Can't wait for the next episode. Take care, guys.